The Gospel of the White Stone. It's the promise of the reconciliation of every dream with every failure, every desire with every disappointment, every joy with every wound, every need with every hunger, every embrace with every rejection. The Gospel of the White Stone can do all of that because the White Stone tells us who we really are, our identity, our actual face. None of us have ever seen or will fully see in this world until that moment who God made us to be and who He is making us to be in our life. And in that secret wisdom, our whole life will be explained to us. The resolution of all those things that we talked about, restoring every moment we've wondered or cried over and proved to us that God has been faithful to us every single day, even maybe especially the hard days of our life. The Gospel of the White Stone is in a phrase this. It's the good news that your true name, that is the true identity of who you are, is kept secret in Christ's heart until you see him face to face. So let's take a look at the good news of the white stone and then the joy and how to live in an unknown name, in an un, with an unknown name. So first of all, let's do a little uh, review of how significant names are in the, stories of, in the story of the Bible. I'm going to start by covering an, an array, maybe 12 or so names, uh, some of which are familiar, some of which you may not have heard of. The very first one, by the way, the first name in the Bible is Adam. It, it means man or humanity. Then, then there's Eve, and she brings forth life. Then there's Abraham. These are all, if you're not familiar with these first, or the Bible at all, these are all big league players in the story of Scripture. Abraham is the, is the exalted father of many. There's a mysterious figure called Melchizedek, which is king of righteousness. There's a guy named Jacob. His name is Deceiver because he lies a lot. Then he wrestles. He becomes Israel who struggles with God. Moses is drawn out of the water. That's what his name means. There's a poor guy named Ichabod whose name means the glory has departed from Israel. There's another guy. This is Isaiah's son. His name is Mehar Shalul Hashbaz. And here's what that name means. Quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. Now think about this for a moment. I want to pause here. This not like us. We read like, oh, that, that's a weird name. Then we'd have to go look it up, right? No, this was a name given to people who spoke that language. So this guy's name was quick to the plunder. That's what they call him, quick. What they call him, swift, spoil. He was marked by that his whole life. Emmanuel, God with us. Lorul Hama, not loved. Lo Ami, not my people. Hephzibah means my delight is in her. Beulah is married. Jesus is Yeshua, the Lord saves. Petros, one of the leaders in the, in the Greek scripture of the New Testament. He's the rock. And, and of course, the great name in scripture above every other name is Yahweh. I am that I am. So what do we learn about these names? If we look at the story of the names in the Bible, they give us an understanding of the significance of this redemptive moment that Jesus promises to his church. Um, all these names placed these people in the story of redemption. 
that is in the history of the world. They're all names that put them in a place, gave them purpose, a defining, not accidental station in the story of the people of God. They, they have direct narrative implication. And throughout the scripture, we're being told that, the, that when God names someone, he's telling them who they are relative to who he is and what he's doing on the, in the world. Now, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of people. I, I want to encourage you. God's got a name for everyone. Genesis 15, um, God takes Abraham out and says, I'm going to, says, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. So there's going to be a lot of names. But this is a passage in, that's in Genesis. Jump up to a prophet named Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 25, listen to this. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one, and listen to this, and calls them each by name. God's creative purposes and his power and his wisdom has a place for everyone, as Jesus says, who conquers. Now let's take a look at the, the power of this name and your placement, which you um, won't know until that sacred moment. Um, the first thing I want you to know is that um, the power of the white stone, which by the way was probably um, a verdict stone that was given to declare someone innocent in a trial, so it's a stone of vindication. The, the power of this white stone is that all those names were prophetic that I just mentioned. They all place someone in the story and then they live it out. But, but this name that Jesus is going to give you on this, on, this, on this declaration of who you truly are, this vindication of his purpose in your life in him, this is what we would call not a prophetic, it's not looking forward, it's eschatological, it's at the very end. It, it, it validates and explains your life. C.S. Lewis said when we get to heaven, the glory and memory of heaven will recede behind us because we will start to see how every single moment in all of our life fitted us perfectly for that entry into the presence of God. And he said, curiously, that it will appear to us as if we've always been there. And the key part of that will be your name. It's not only your true name, it's authentic. It is given by someone who could never be challenged, not by your dreams, not by your wounds, not by your enemies, it is given in heaven where it cannot be surpassed. What did Jesus say? The watchman opens the gate for the good shepherd. He said this in the Gospel of John, which is one of the accounts of his life. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. You thought he called you Bill or Sue or Bob or Mike. He's got some sacred, secret name that he called you by. And he's forming and fashioning you. When I was in, I grew up in St. Louis and in the 80s, um, the Cardinals won the World Series in 82 and there was a player, had a great career, 19 years in the majors named Willie McGee. And at the same um, time in the early 80s, uh, E.T. was out. And um, he got the nickname E.T. McGee, which is a terrible nickname is insensitive in so many ways. 
Um, and he was asked once at his locker room on the evening news, kind of with a chuckle, what, um, what do you think about being called E.T. McGee? And he, as I remember it, he was in that space between crying and anger, and he said, it ain't fair, it just ain't fair. It ain't fair, people ain't supposed to be able to change your name. He never got called E.T. again in St. Louis, E.T. McGee. And it's really not fair. It's not fair because your true name, your authentic name, is not even given by you, much less anyone else. But it's this great victor's name, too. It's your true name, your authentic name, but it's also a uh, victor, a nakao name. It's the, it's the triumphant name that establishes you as one who has overcome the world, which we'll talk about in a moment. One who has held to the faith to the very end. The one whose life in Christ, not because you're super smart or righteous, but because you held to Jesus, was, was vindicated. You've not been overcome by the world that's tried to name you forever and ever. And then Jesus says explicitly, it's a new name. So this is important. Um, if you've ever uh, stained your name on earth by your brokenness or by your lust or by your anger or by your greed or by your foolishness, maybe it's just me who's done all those things. But all those things then become associated with who I think myself to be. And they're part of my history. They're part of my life. But they're, they're also, in that way, part of Mike. As I see myself and envision myself and try to improve myself in Christ. But there will be a time for me and you, as we hold on to Christ, where a new name will eclipse the old name, redeem it all, make it victorious, and cleanse it from all of its sin, and then we get to be who Christ has been making us all along. You know, you get to move places. When I moved to Seattle in 1995 from playing at church with my family wife in, in Indiana, um, I, I had learned so much. I knew almost everything by then, you know. I, I, had, I had gone to seminary, that's when you really learn everything, and then I went, then I did ministry for four and a half years, now I was just killing it. You know, so, so I, got to go to Saint, I got to go to Seattle, and I was like, well, I got to start over. I get to be like, I get this, I get this reset. And guess what? <laughs> there I was, the same, I was the same guy. I took myself with me, which actually I found disappointing. But what I really did when I got to Seattle in 95 was I was trying to give myself a name. The other thing about this name, not only, as we've seen, is it a true name and a uh, conqueror's name and a new name that freshens us. And here is the rub, really, especially in our age. It's a bestowed name. See, there's a catch, isn't there? Like, the, the idea that we craft and um, develop and insist on who we are is um, just another kind of law. It's, another, it's the 11th commandment. It's another way 
to make ourselves important or make ourselves healthy. It sounds like a big promise. It's actually a big burden. Paul Sartre, who uh, was the early, the, maybe the father with another of uh, existentialism, when, when they decided that you were something before y you identified, you know, like you got to then pick who you were, they were kind of bummed out about that. It, you know, he was not a great guy. Uh, he was a smart guy, but he was not a great guy. But he had the sense to realize that figuring out who you are all on your own is a burden. But Jesus is going to give you this name. Do you see it? To those who overcome, I will give them a secret name. I will name them. Jesus gets to say who you are. Gene Simmons from KISS was once asked in an interview, where did he get his name? What does his name mean? He said, and he got a little angry. He said, what do you mean where's my name? I gave myself my name. Who gave you your name? Well, he's just maybe more open than the rest of us about, about the insistence on naming ourselves. So it's a, it's a given name. It's also this secret, unique name. There's a lot of Michael Kellys in the world. Not only that, there's a lot of Michael Francis Kellys in the world. Don't call me Michael Francis. My mom was the only one who could do that. Um, there's just a lot of us. But, but there is this blessed, lovely, beautiful sanctity, this sacred naming. Jesus has a name for all the stars. He has a name for you. We'll talk more about the beautiful intimacy of that in, um, in a moment. But now I want you to know that you are a unique expression of the creative power and wisdom of God. And, you know, so is everyone else. So in a way, that makes you special. But if everyone's special, what? Nobody's special. I mean, you are special and important, like everyone else that God made. And you are unique. When I came, I, last year or two years ago, my wife and I, I guess it wasn't two years ago because we were coming back from Canada. They, I don't think they were letting us in two years ago. And um, came back from Canada and we did the thing, the, you know, the customs thing. And the guy looked at my passport and he did a little tap and he said, please go around to the thing. You know, so we went over to the, to the big building there and sat there for about 45 minutes. Nobody said a word to us except they took our stuff, you know, then said a word for us and then... After 45 minutes, they just called, they called me over to the bank of computers there. And, um, and, the, and the man said, well, Mr. Kelly, you're free to uh, head back into America. I uh, just, what happened was there is, he's exactly his words. There was, there's a very bad man who has your exact name and your exact birthday. But we're now convinced it's not you. And I said, well, good. And he said, and I've made notes, so this won't happen to you again. I was like, even better. But that can't happen. That won't happen ultimately ever in the kingdom of God because here's some things that, about living the joy of an unknown name. That's really the gospel. The gospel of the white stone is that Jesus, this white stone that's probably relative to the 
declaration of innocence in a trial. This Whitestone names you. Now, all those promises, all those assurances, um, those are all yours if you hold to Christ to the very end and have the humility and faith to not decide who you are. You can be discovering who you are. That's part of the life of faith. Discover, don't decide. Discern, but don't demand. Let Christ name you. Here's some things that will help you with that. Your past cannot name you if Christ names you with a white stone. Your past um, is inescapable. You've maybe been wounded. You might have wounded others. Um, you may have deep regrets and shames about your past, questions, uncertainties. Um, I, I don't say ignore those things, I don't, but I do say those things as you understand them now, before Christ gives you the white stone, those things cannot name you and make you who you are. They surely have shaped you. They will not make you. Your name also can't be given by your enemies. When they hurled insults at him, Jesus, this is Peter talking, he didn't retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, speaking of Jesus. You, you have people that, this is, maybe you came to church today to learn this lesson. There are people that don't like you, that don't think you're cool, that would rather you not be around. There are maybe people that hate you, that have been hurt by you, or think they've been hurt by you. Um, God will deal with all those things, all my mistakes and relationships. He's going to deal with those, but what he's not going to do, he's not going to let people that don't like you name you. Because what you learn eventually after you survive junior high and high school, and you're like, thank the Lord that's over, then you're like 40 and you're like, it's not over, it's, al it's always been this way. It will never change. And they just don't get to name you. People around you don't get to name you. If Jesus named you with the white stone, if he named you, your sorrows and disappointments don't name you. The dreams that you have and can't get rid of. Does anyone here have a dream that is probably not coming true, but they just can't let it go anyway? Maybe that's just me. That can't become my name. God will use that to shape me, to turn me, to change me, but he will not use it to name me. I will not be the guy whose dreams didn't come true. That's not my secret name. Hey, wow, my name is the guy whose dreams didn't come true. Well, I shouldn't have preached about this passage so much. That won't, that won't be it. You can't build a name for yourself. I'm going to talk now a little bit about what it takes to be a victor and escape the namelessness or the misnaming of the world. Jesus says that this name goes to those who um, overcome the world. Well, this is what he means by that, because there's the same author in one of his letters, 1 John, 
For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That's who overcomes the world. Those who believe that God has spoken truth, His Son has worked salvation for us, and that His word is true. Verse 12, hold to His name. That is the name of Christ. Then resist the lure of Balaam's pleasure and the Nicolaitans and long for real life. In the personal story of your own life, your own faith exercised as one little part of the global and eternal kingdom of God. In this context, as we speak of names, what that means is you do not let yourself name yourself. You hold to your identity as it's being revealed and discovered with faithful fingers that are ready to be corrected and redirected, ready to re-understand yourself all through your life. And you live then, you have overcome the world's insistence that you will be named by its standards, by its values, by its promises, and by its demands. And so you then live in this victorious, um, unknown self, as it were, where you realize that, that your boss or your neighbor or your spouse or your siblings or your friends or the stranger, no one gets to tell you who you are, ultimately. Not even you. What freedom is there in that? So in closing, I want to contrast this long, bizarre quote about, about uh, uh, Robinson Crusoe in your bulletin. And I want to contrast it with what's really going to happen if you hold the faith for your whole life. Uh, I won't read the whole quote, but here's the deal. Robin, Robin Crusoe has been alone for a long time on the island. And he's longed, he's, he's longed to hear his name. Any, any human voice, say really anything is what he's wanted. And he falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, somewhere in the journey of his rest, he hears, Robin, Robin, Robin Crusoe, poor Robin Crusoe, where are you, Robin Crusoe? Where are you? Where have you been? And he wakes up. And he thinks he's dreaming at first. And then he realizes he's not dreaming. He's hearing his name. And in, in confusion, in anticipation, in hope that someone has finally entered into his solitude, he realizes it's his pirate who he taught to say his name. That's the whole story of naming yourself. Teaching the instruments under our control to affirm who we think we are. Or, or, this moment can wait for you if you overcome the world by your faith in the reality of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and God's ultimate benevolence towards us in all things. If that is the case, then instead of your parrot telling you who you are, you and I in faith 
we will stand before Jesus. He will reach over with his own wounded hand and he will hand us a white stone with a name on it. We will be close enough to take it from his fingers. And in that sacred, eternal, ultimate moment, we will know that he knows that we know that he has told us who we are. And not only will that moment profoundly change the way you see everything about today and all the days before it and all the days after it, that will be a secret name that you and Jesus share with this sacred, secret communion, your Savior communing and seeing you and you will know, you will know that he truly knows. He absolutely knows who you are, like no one else. Because it was he who made you for that. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I ask you please, Lord Jesus, to help us all live with the humility to have this great hope that we don't get to Indeed, we don't need to decide who we are, for you are doing that just fine without us. And you'll give us that great gift. Give us faith to the very end, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.